This is Oasis City Radio Music. This is Oasis City Radio Music. This is Oasis City Radio Music. Twenty-four hours a day at oasiscityradio.com. Tune in, iHeartRadio, and the Oasis City Radio app. This is Oasis City Radio music. Oasis City Radio. So good to see everybody. Grab your Bible if you would. Hold it up. Uh, you know, you can hold up. Don't text anybody. Just hold up your phone if it's, yeah, that wasn't the text message call. Just wave at me like this. That's your Bible. And then just say this. This is my Bible. These are living words. As a matter of fact, these are God's words. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I'll never be the same. Look at the other neighbor and say, neighbor. My life is forever changed because of this word. And today, for the next time being, I'm going to be focused on God's word. Amen. All right. It's good to see everybody. I'm glad to be back in the saddle uh, here. And um, what a great time today. Just an amazing service as we celebrate the fact that we're not just a multiracial church, we are a multi-generational church as well. And uh, we have young and not so old. Young and not so old. If you're over 70, you're still not so old, right? Come on. You got at least another 30 years in you. I'm living to beyond 100, I'm going to tell you that, in a healthy way. I'm going to be healthy. What I'm saying is I'm going to be preaching when I'm 100 and I won't be using a cane or a walker or anything like that either. All right, Psalm 23. I'm going to read to you from a portion of Scripture that even if you don't know Jesus, even if you've never been in church before, this is the first church service you've ever been a part of, you've probably seen this on somebody's refrigerator. But I want to read it to you, uh, and then I want to read another scripture as we start the basis of where we're going today. I hear a kick drum of some sort. Why am I hearing that? Oh, that's fine. Okay, keep going. Because I was ready to dance. I don't know about you all, but I was like, 23rd Psalm, come on, bring me some. All right, here we go. Now you have to get serious because this is the 23rd Psalm. It's like the holiest of holy scripture, you know. The Lord is my shepherd. As a matter of fact, let's read it together. Ready? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We'll just stop right there. He's my shepherd. I shall not want. When I was a young kid in the Methodist church, I was about six or seven years old, I remember 
being given a bookmark uh, for a Bible, and it was the 23rd Psalm, and I remember reading it, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I kept thinking, why don't they want him? It took me like a year. I couldn't figure out, like, if he's a shepherd, why don't they want, why don't they want you? Why are there people that don't want Jesus? Then I figured out the difference between the, the what's the, that, or this, sub, semicolon, yeah. It's there for a reason. He's my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Just remember that. And as I read 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 3, the king said, this is David, is there not yet anyone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan who is crippled in both feet. So the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Machir, the son of Emil, from Lodabar. Meshibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and prostrated himself. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he said, here is your servant. And David said, do not fear, for I will surely show kindness to you for the sake of your father Jonathan and restore all of the land of your grandfather Saul, and you shall eat at my table regularly. Again, he prostrated himself and said, What is your servant that you should regard a dead dog like me? Then the king called Saul's servant, Ziba, and he said to him, All that belong to Saul and to all of his house I've given to your master's grandson. You and your sons and your servants shall cultivate the land for him, and you shall bring in the produce so that your master's grandson may have food. Nevertheless, Nevertheless, Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall eat at my table regularly. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. I believe the word of God for Oasis City Church, the prophetic word for our church this Sunday, is that we are needing to move up in our life. As a matter of fact, look to your neighbor and say, move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move. Look at the other neighbor and say, move up. Move up. We've been talking a lot this whole year about crossing over, about recovering what the enemy stole, and it involves moving. And I, and I also believe that it's no coincidence in the kingdom that on a Sunday that we call Move Up Sunday for our youth and children going back to school and everybody moving up to the next grade, there's something in the spirit as well in our church for us to move up to God's perspective in our lives. The scripture says in Revelation, come up here, come up now. There's always a, a, a forever call that the Lord is calling us to come up, to rise up, and there's a reason for that. The book of Ephesians says that we are seated with him in heavenly places. So that means, like we've said before, you have dual citizenship. You are here on the earth and you are also a citizen of heaven. But it's also true that God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. And so even though we're seated with him, we also need to know his thoughts. 
we need to realize that we can, in our earthly realm, just be stuck in this kind of thinking in our life and miss what God is doing. So the Word of God today for you, the prophetic word today for you, because God knew that you would be here. Like literally right now, he knew at 1156, you would be right here listening to these words. The prophecy for you is to move up. The word of God for you is to move up. There is a moving up in what the things that God has for you. He has set a table and he's asking you to come and eat from it regularly. Have you ever met a person who was stuck in the same situation that you knew them in years ago and you saw them recently and they still look like they're stuck in the same thing? Like, in other words, you knew somebody 10 years ago and they had this type of job and they had this type of girlfriend or this type of boyfriend and they were they were in this type of drama all the time and you see somebody like 15 years later and you think that they would have already graduated up into other new things maybe the new job the new relationship and they're still stuck in the old thing like you dated the girl that was always like this and so 15 years later, you run into her, your ex, and she's still like this. And you're like, well, thank God. Thank God. I'm just being real. Have you ever met the person that, that, was, that was in the, uh, you know, the, the, taking the, you know, the transitional job? It was the part-time position, and it was just the stairwell to the stairway to the next job and you know they were supposed to be in two years on this and then on this label three years and five years later and ten years later they were supposed to be up here and that was the whole plan and you meet them ten years later and they're still on level one they're just stuck there because they never moved up to anywhere and even though people were calling for them even though the plan was that they would go from here to here to here they were still stuck in the same old same old drama you ever met the person that you used to have this kind of, you know, drama? They, I mean, there's just drama all around them all the time. And then next year, the same drama. I do counsel some of you. I'm just teasing. The same drama, still struggling with the same stuff, still battling the same stuff. It's because they've never moved up in life. It's because God says, hey, I've got this for you, and I want you to move up to my table, and you chose just to stay in the land that you were a part of. You didn't recognize that he was a good shepherd for you, and he's leading you somewhere, but you chose not to go and just stay stuck in where you are. Is anybody stuck today? I've got a word for you. See, you can come to a service just like this, and you can be caught up in the corporate atmosphere and hide in it. You're in a corporate atmosphere and everybody looks good. They smell good. They got their Sunday best on. They, you know, even their face, you know, they look happier in here. And they're part of the service. And the, the lights are a little dim and the stage lights are on. And, you know, Lord knows with that haze, if you even see, if you can see through that. This is a joke for all the people who don't like the haze. 
And they can come into this corporate setting and they can, they can hide in it. And they leave here unchanged. But inside, they're dancing, they're celebrating, they're coming up for a prophecy at the end of the service. I mean, they're coming up, they're, they're involved, they're shouting at me while I'm preaching. Amen, pastor. Try it. Oh, come on. It feels good, sounds good, but you leave unchanged. It's because you came into the corporate atmosphere, but you never had an intimate relationship. You came into a a corporate relationship with the Lord, but never had a personal one. It's no different than going to the football game. I'm happy it's finally football season. No, I'm really, I actually am very happy. I'm not just preaching, I'm telling the truth. I'm happy that's football season because I love football. And I know that last weekend was the, the last weekend, literally last weekend was the last weekend until February that there was no football on the weekend. From now till February, there's going to be a football game on somewhere that I'll be watching. And I love it. And so, so people go to the football game or watch it in, the, in, the, in, you know, in their living room. They can go in the corporate atmosphere and yell and scream and holler whether their team's doing good or bad or whatnot. But they leave unchanged. That football game didn't change their life. It met, a, it met some type of immediate need. But they leave and they go to work and they're the same person that they were the next day after the game. And if you treat church the same way, you'll just come in and cheer and have fun for your favorite team on the stage. But you'll leave unchanged. So there's a personal word for you today as well as a corporate experience. And I want you to hear it, to recognize it, so that you're not stuck in the same old, same old. So that today you are moving into the things of God. That the next half of this year you are actually participating in and receiving the plan of God for your life. And you're not just going, she'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. (laughs) The Lord is my shepherd. Say my shepherd. It's a great things about shepherds, and we could talk all day about them and preach all day on this psalm even. But one thing shepherds do, they are intimately acquainted with their flock. They know what they smell like. They know what they look like. They know what they like and what they don't like. They know their bad habits and their good habits. The good shepherd knows the flock. And most importantly, a shepherd is a provider. They know the needs of their flock. And when we hear provider, we often think financial. And of course, that is something, but it's so much more because the Lord is your shepherd. He's your provider financially and emotionally. He's the provider of of your soul. He's the provider of joy and peace and happiness. He's the provider of safety, regardless of the storm of life that you're in. And Jesus is the good shepherd. He knows you. He's not lost track of you. We even sang a song about it today. He's relentless in going after you because you're never too far away from him. He knows exactly where you are. As a matter of fact, church, I'll say it again. He knows you would be here today. He's a good shepherd I shall not want. See, God actually doesn't want you to stay in a position of wanting. 
It's actually kind of dangerous for, for humans to always be in a pattern of wanting. Because then we will start receiving from sources to provide for our wants that may be out of bounds for us. And so when you're in a con- perpetual system of wanting, you don't know what it's like to not want. And the Lord is your provider, and therefore he wants you to know and trust that he knows more about you than you know about yourself. He knows exactly what you need, even though you are in this state of want, 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 want. And so how will you ever know when your need is met if you're continually wanting stuff, even though he's trying to meet your needs? He's your provider. He knows exactly what you have need of. Some of us are wanting things we shouldn't want. Some of us look to other people and see what they have, and we begin to want those things. And it's one thing to have an aspiration and a goal. That's totally fine. As a matter of fact, that goal and the aspiration will keep you in a positive moving direction to get somewhere to meet those goals. It's it's a great practice to have. But if they're for selfish gain and selfish motivation, all the progress you make still won't be enough for you because you're always in perpetual wanting. You make a list of the man that you want, and suddenly Mr. Right comes along, but you just extended your list all of a sudden. And God's like, well, you've been asking for these nine things. I give them to you, and now you just added four more. Didn't tell me. Because you're in a perpetual system of wanting. The Bible says that he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Have you ever made somebody do something? How'd that turn out for you? You can make your child clean their room before they go to the park, right? And sometimes that's a struggle. Sometimes it's a battle. Sometimes they just listen to you. And they're like, okay, sure, I can do this. But God will, it doesn't say, he, he suggests, God suggests for me to lie down in green pastures. No, God will make you do some things sometimes. As a matter of fact, he'll stop things in your life. Because you've been in a cycle of want, 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 never satisfied, want, 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 want. And you know what God will do sometimes? He'll just stop the whole thing to make you lie down. What's lie down? Rest. God will stop the cycle of your life that you keep feeding into to force you to rest and to understand what your real needs are. Because the fact that you have a need... And God's the provider. He's the good shepherd. That simple fact in and of itself is a great thing. Because if you have a need, that means he has supply. If you have a need, that means he has supply. I should be seeing everybody's pearly whites. 
because that means he, you can smile about it. He actually has supplies. As a matter of fact, if you have a need right here, he's got supply right here. He's in the middle with one hand on your need and the other hand on your supply, and he's just trying to get your supply right to your need. But if you continually are in a season of wanting, 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 you'll miss the need, the supply that he has for your need, and you'll bypass it for something that is a fake alternative. And sometimes he'll stop everything to make you lie down. He'll stop the whole train just to make you lie down in green pastures. He's not making you lie down in thorns. He's not making you lie down somewhere that, that is unhealthy for you. He's not punishing you and say, well, you disobey me or you're just wanting all this, so now you're going to have to, you know, be in the cave. No, he makes you lie down in green pastures, and, and, and he leads you beside still waters because he's a good shepherd, because he knows what we have need of before we even ask. That's what the Scripture says. What has God stopped in your life just to get your attention? What is he shut down in your life just to get your attention so that you will recognize his goodness is found in making you lie down. His goodness is found in leading you to still waters, to, to, to making you experience green pastures. He knows exactly what you need. He knows the money that you need. He knows the people that you need. He knows where your husband is. All the single ladies. He knows where your husband is, unless you're called to be single. He knows where your friends are. He knows where your listening ear is. He knows. He knows where the money is. He knows where the good job is. He knows. He knows where the vehicle is when you're looking for it. I was looking for a vehicle. I remember I was 17 years old. I was in ministry. I was working a job and trying to get to my job, and, and all this stuff, and it's a long story, but God knew I had a need. I prayed for it. I remember working and praying in tongues all the time, in the closet, in the warehouse, at J.C. Penney. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You know, putting stuff on the shelves, and praying in tongues the whole time, and asking God if he would get me a car that I could go to the church, because it was a half hour away, and my house was a half hour away, and they were, you know, and it was like a triangle. I had to get to every day, and I had to work, and go to school, and, all that. and I remember, and then somebody gave a car to the church. A man walked in, uh, I mean, walked in, handed the pastor's keys. He'd never been to our church before. He said, God said to give this car to you. And the pastor knew who it was. He's like, this is for Bill. Because I was praying because my daddy knew what I had need of. Now, I wanted a better car. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it there. I can show you pictures. I didn't plan to tell the story. Nine o'clock didn't hear that one. But if I had a picture, you'd say, oh, yeah, I'd want a better car too. But it met my need at 17 years old because I was serving in the kingdom, because it was a legitimate need, because it was something that was in my heart. I told the Lord, I'll go lead worship. I'll go lead the youth group. I'll go be involved. I needed to be in, 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 you know, spiritually fed. I wanted to be a part of it, and I'm going to work. Young people, work, work. I needed to work. I needed to make money. I needed all these things. Pay my own insurance the whole time. Never. My parents never paid my car insurance. Not one time. Pay my own gas. Now, the car on the passenger side, if you, uh, if you lifted up the floor mat, 
you could see the road because it had rusted through. True story. And it had, it had no blower in it as well. So it was really cold when I picked up Lynn on dates. I had no way to impress this lady. No defroster either. I had to drive in the winter with the windows down to defrost the windshield because there was no blower in the car. Hello, somebody. But my need was met. If you have a need, that means God already has planned a supply. If you have a need, God has already planned a supply. Sometimes you got to move up to get it. Sometimes you got to move to experience it. Sometimes you can't stay at home. You got to get your rear end up and you got to get to church. Sometimes you got to lift your hands and worship. You got to move up when you don't feel like it. Sometimes you got to stand up. Sometimes you got to move up to the front of the line. Sometimes you got to move your feet along and start dancing. Sometimes you got to move your hands and start clapping. Sometimes you got to move to get it. But I'm just telling you, if you got a need, he already has a supply. He leads, uh, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. Lying down means rest. He makes me rest in green pastures. But I'll tell you this, you can't rest in something that's not God's plan for you. You may lie down, but you'll be squirming the whole time. You can't rest in something that's not God's plan for you. You will be so agitated. You can't take that job and rest in it, being agitated the whole time because it ain't God's plan for you. You can't be with that person. You'll be at, you can't be unequally yoked. You can't do it. You can try, but you will not have rest. That was for somebody. You can try, but you won't have rest. You can't, you can't work yourself outside of God's plan and have rest. He leads me beside still waters. Would you just say that while I'm stealing a drink here? He leads me beside still waters. Sheep. We're talking about sheep and shepherds here, right? Sheep are led to still waters to drink. Sheep are thirsty. They need water. Every living creature is thirsty, needs water, except for fish. Are they ever thirsty? I don't know. Mammals. He leads me beside the still water. Here's why this is important. Sheep cannot drink from rapid waters. Waters flowing too fast are not safe for sheep. So the good shepherd never leads sheep to rapid, moving, flowing waters. And here's the reason why. Sheep have wool on them. And the wool takes on water. And when the wool takes on water and they get swept up into water that's moving too fast, they take on the water, they become so heavy, their little legs can't keep their mouth above water and they drowned. So even though they were thirsty... If the shepherd leads them to rough waters, something flowing a little too fast, they'll get caught up in it and they will drown and die. Something that was supposed to meet their need ends up killing them. That's why the good shepherd leads sheep to still waters. 
There's some things in your life that are just moving too fast. It's going to kill you if you stay there. There's some things you're wanting in life so badly, and it's taking you off the track in the plan of God because you want it so bad, and you're willing to you're willing to go beyond still into something that's fast fast flowing because it looks good, it looks exciting, it looks like you can get real rich real quick, or it looks like you can get your man real fast, or it looks like you can get your degree right here, and it looks like you can get on and you can impress somebody, but that system, honey, will actually drown you. Because there's just some things that are just too fast for you. He leads his sheep by still waters. I'll say it this way. The sheep are thirsty. They have a legitimate need for water. But a legitimate need can kill you if you go to an illegitimate place for it. You will fail in life if you try to fill a legitimate need with an illegitimate option. Well, I'm a sexual person. I have sexual needs. My loins are on fire, as the scripture says. Just trying to keep it holy. Yeah, you have a sexual need, and it's legitimate. But if you start meeting it with an illegitimate option, honey, all sorts of things go wrong in your life. How do you think we're even dealing with STDs to begin with? If you use your legitimate sexual desire and you start watching porn or watching things you're not supposed to because it's somehow satisfying something even though you're not messing around with somebody but you're messing around with your own mind if you start using an illegitimate option to meet a legitimate leave a need you will drown If you have a legitimate need for finances and for, you know, this house payment and all this, and you start, you find yourself in a mess and you start doing illegitimate things to meet that need because somebody's offering you something, but you know it ain't the right way, but you, you get, you're trying to get rich quick plan. That illegitimate option, as good as it is, as pretty as it is, it will ultimately drown you. Because you can't take on the weight of that. Because you're not designed for that. You're a sheep and you're designed for still waters. You're not designed to work it up in yourself. You're not designed to keep yourself afloat. You're designed to be part of the good shepherd. And he's got green pastures and still waters for you and I. I'll give you this example. Jesus Before he started his ministry, he fasted for 40 days. If you've ever fasted before, I don't care for how long it is, one day to 40 days. Whatever your fast is over, even one day or 40 days, you are hungry and you are thirsty. Jesus was legitimately hungry and thirsty. He actually needed, because it was a supernatural fast, he had the strength of God, but it wasn't supernatural for 41 days. It was 40. 
After 40, the grace was over at 40, and he needed something. His body needed water. His body needed food. Jesus was hungry. He was hungry. Legitimate need. And guess what happened? The very next thing that comes along is the devil himself. And the very thing he wanted Jesus to do was eat his bread. The very thing the enemy wanted to do was to get meet a legitimate need in Jesus' life with an illegitimate option. How often has the enemy tried to come at you that way? He knows the need. He sees that you, 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 he knows he's betting the bank that you're hungry. So he's coming with false bread. That's why you need the word of God, because how did Jesus overcome the temptation? He quoted the scripture. When I told you to elbow your neighbor or talk to them and tell them that these are living words and you'll never be the same because of this word right here, it ain't no joke. Jesus used the scripture to overcome the most powerful temptation of the moment that he was walking in as he's weak and frail and hungry. He knew the Bible. After all, he's the word. And he used the word to overcome all the powers of darkness. You need the word in your life. Jesus didn't worship his way out of that one. I'm telling you, he didn't praise his way out of it either. Jesus knew the word. And he used the word to overcome an illegitimate, illegal option in his life. While I'm on the topic, have you ever thanked God for closed doors rather than just open doors? I, I hear one laugh on the front row. That's a good one. I mean, you're probably thinking right now, some closed doors. I mean, have you ever thanked God for doors he's closed, not just doors he's opened? As a matter of fact, just do that right now. Why don't you just thank him for something? I know, think about something right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank him for a closed door. You know, you thought it was the right door, and you were going for it, and then 10 years later, you saw the same person you thought you were walking in the door with, and you said, thank God. Thank you, Jesus. Because they still look like this. Grumpy as ever. You got to thank God for doors he closes. And not just open doors. And we're always looking for God. Open the windows of heaven, Lord. Open doors. I'm going to walk through them. Yes, yes, yes. But how many times have you been tempted with an illegitimate door? 